Amen. Let's take our Bibles, please, and turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And we'll start in verse 32, <clears throat> looking at biblical evangelism, trying to figure out what did Jesus do in his witnessing to people. Okay. And Brother Jim, would you lead us in prayer, please, sir? Amen. John chapter 6 and verse 32. John six thirty-two. Then Jesus saith unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, Evermore give us this bread. As we saw last time, there's noticeable parallels between John chapter 6 and John chapter 4, where the woman at the well is dealing with water. This passage is dealing with bread. Uh, And both came to the point where they wanted. The woman at the well wanted the water. Um, These men wanted the bread. Uh, if you notice uh, in John 4, 15, John chapter 4 and verse 15, the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me what? This water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And then compare that with John six thirty four. John six thirty four. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us what? This bread. So she wanted the water. They want the bread. He's, he's illustrating everlasting life by the water, by the bread. The woman says, give me the water. These men say, give me the bread. But in neither case did Jesus say, okay, you're ready for it. So he didn't say to the woman at the well, okay, let's bow our heads and receive the living water. He didn't say to these men here, okay, so let's bow our heads and you can receive the living bread. Why? Because the Lord, in each instance, brought out the things that needed repentance in these people's lives. He, he put them to the test. Um, that just, it doesn't seem to be what we do in modern day witnessing plans. Why, why is it that we are so different than what Jesus did in his witnessing? If you go back to John 4... So in verse 15, she wants the water. John four fifteen. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. So what does Jesus say? Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidst thou truly. So 
Jesus brings up to her a great matter. And just, just imagine it went the other way. Just imagine Jesus, when she said, Lord, give me this water. And just imagine that he said, okay, ma'am, let's pray together. And if he led her in a prayer, and so now she's what we would consider saved. And so she goes back to town. And instead of saying to, the, to all those men, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. What if she just come back into town and said, hey, guys, I just got saved. And they're thinking, oh. But she goes back and starts living with the same man she's been living with. And you know what they're going to think? Whatever decision she made is nothing. Because there is no change in her life. Absolutely no change. She said she got her sins forgiven. And she's coming right back here living in sin. How many of those men in that city do you think would have gotten saved by her testimony of, hey, I just got saved out there, and then going back and living with that man? How many men in that city do you think would have gotten saved? My guess is zero. But because Jesus dealt with her sin, and she went back, and I mean, when she said he told me all things that ever I did, well, obviously those men knew at least some things that she had done, and they were convicted in their own hearts. Well, if, if, if there's a man out there and he knows everything she's done, and she says she thinks he's the Messiah, we better go out and see him because that means he knows what we've done too. So as we saw this morning, there's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And in our modern way of thinking, it's like, okay, we can't deal with any person's sin because then they might think, that, uh, you know, turning from sin is like cleaning up themselves. And so they, they might confuse that with good works. And then they might get the wrong idea that just turning from our sin saves us. No, who saves us is Jesus Christ and his blood. But we've got to turn to him. And so with the woman at the well, um, Jesus brings up her sin. And she gets saved, and there's a great awakening in her city. These men, a whole bunch of them, got saved in in that city. Uh, So it just doesn't seem to be the way we're doing it in this modern day. Why? Why are we not doing it? So back to John chapter 6. Okay, okay. so these men now are saying, give us the bread. What does Jesus say to them then? In John 6, 35. John 6 and verse 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. I should have read verse 34 first. Let's back up. Verse 34, Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. So now he says, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me, and what? Believe not. 
So once again, he didn't, when they said, verse 34, Lord, evermore give us this bread, he didn't say, okay, guys, let's, let's bow our heads and let's have you pray to receive this bread. What he said was, verse 35, is I'm the bread. And then in verse 36, he said, and you've seen me and you don't believe. What does he mean? You've seen me and you believe not. They did not believe he was the bread from heaven. Um, As we read on here, uh, verse 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son, and what? Believeth on him, may have what? Everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. So as you get into this chapter, it's important to note that He is not trying to say by eating bread or drinking the juice that that's going to save a person. He's making it clear all the way through here. It said right there in verse 40, Everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him. Now he already said in verse 36, But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and what? Believe not. So verse 40 once again. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Notice verse 41. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. You see, he knew that they did not believe it. So what would we do? What, what I'm seeing in all these modern plans is that you, you just need to have them pray a prayer to receive Jesus. And then all this other stuff comes along in um, discipleship. Okay, um, can, can a person get saved by accepting Jesus, but not believing that the Jesus they are accepting is God in the flesh? Is that salvation? Well, evidently not, because he did not lead them in a prayer. And he's told them in verse 35, um, verse 36, you've seen me and believe not. Uh, in verse 40, everyone which sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life. Uh, But verse 41, he knew that they were murmuring because he said he was the bread which came down from heaven. Um, They they knew that no mere man has come down from heaven. Uh, We are conceived in the womb. We don't come down from heaven. And so notice what they go on to say in verse 42. And they said, Is not this Jesus the son of Joseph? whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, 
I came down from heaven. Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets that they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that what? Believeth on me hath everlasting life. I want you to notice throughout this chapter, he's making it clear that it's believing on him is what brings everlasting life, and that he is the Son of God. He's God in the flesh. Verse 48, I am that what? Bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the what? Living bread which came down from heaven. That is what they did not believe. They did not believe that he was the living bread that came down from heaven. So we saw last week, they wanted a free meal. Well, that's what they were after, a free meal. But they did not believe that he is the living bread. Just so many times through here, he's using bread as an illustration of the truth. Just like Nicodemus, he is using birth as an illustration of spiritual birth. Just like in John chapter 4, he was using water with the woman as an illustration of living water. Just like he was using bread in this chapter as an illustration of the living bread. So he said in verse 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread which I give, and now this is, this is what is going to throw these people off. They're not catching it. He's still illustrating spiritual truths. He says, and the bread I will give is what? My flesh, which I will give for the life of who? The world. He is going to give his flesh, the bread, his flesh, for the world, that the world may live forever. But just like Nicodemus, so let's go back to chapter 3. They did not get it. Um, in, uh, in John chapter 3, in verse 3, well, let's start in verse 2. John 3, 2. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? 
Well, those of you ladies who are expecting or have had children in the past, um, what do you think? A full-grown adult in the womb? (laughs) No thanks. No thanks. He's wondering how he can do this. He's not seeing the spiritual illustration here. So Jesus says in verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, Now the Lord knew that some people would take this as, okay, well, baptism and accepting Christ then are necessary. No, he said, as he went on to explain himself, verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is what? Flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is what? Spirit. So if you back up to verse 5, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Verse 6 interprets that. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Nicodemus' response in verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? He's still not getting it. And that's the last we hear from him. He's saying, I don't understand. I do not understand what you're talking about. Interestingly, In verse 13 of John 3, he brings up the same thing to Nicodemus. And we saw this before, but he says, And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. He's telling Nicodemus, I have come down from heaven. I'm going back to heaven. And in fact, Nicodemus, I'm in heaven right now. Well, then you have to be God because no one can be on earth and in heaven at the same time. That's right, Nicodemus, he's got. Why was it important to deal with this? Because the Pharisees did not believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. And so that's the same issue you're dealing with in John chapter 6. You're dealing with these Jewish men, and they do not believe that he is God in the flesh. Um, And this, yes, this needed to be dealt with. Um, You know, the Old Testament, this should have stirred up thoughts in the Old Testament to these men. If you hold your place here in John 6, let's go back for a moment to Isaiah chapter 9. Now, uh, great messages today at Hathaway and at um, Mission Point and Extended Care. And just dealing with clearly the gospel and now, you notice in, in Isaiah 9, 6, and I was thinking about um, the, the emphasis in all three places on the Word of God, testing out things by the Word of God. So if we were to hear someone say, like if we were back in the days when Jesus walked the earth and he says he's come down from heaven, um, wouldn't our minds go to the scripture? This, this guy, he is doing miracles that are hard to explain. And he's saying he's come down from heaven. Is there anything in the scripture that would back that up? Wouldn't you think their minds would go to Isaiah 9? I would think so. 
in Isaiah 9.6. And especially before we read Isaiah 9.6, if you, you go back up to verse 1, Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation. When at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, in where? Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen what? A great light. And they that dwell in a land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shine. And as, as you'd think their minds would go to verse 9, then for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Wouldn't you think they would think um, a child is born, but the son is given? Wouldn't you think that that would get them thinking, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, and then who? The Mighty God, and then who? The Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So you would say, okay, this man is claiming to come down from heaven. He's claiming to be the Son of God. Does any scripture back that up? Well, the matter of the fact that Yes, this man was born in Bethlehem, but he's grew up in Nazareth, in Galilee. And this very passage shows that something, some great light is going to rise in Galilee. The people there have seen a great light. You would think, and then in verse 6 there, this, this child is born. That means this... That means this person has a real body of flesh, but the Son is given. And they're going to call this one the mighty God, the everlasting Father. So he's got to be God in the flesh. But as we go back to John chapter 6, Jesus knew that these men were not accepting the fact that he is God. So if we lead someone in a prayer who does not believe that Jesus is God. Remember those polls I shared with you just recently? There is a huge percentage of Americans that claim to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ who do not believe that he's God. You know what? With these people here, Jesus knew they did not believe that, and he did not lead them in any prayer because they need to know that. Because if we're, not, if, if we're praying and accepting a Jesus who is not God, who are we praying to? An antichrist. Not the real Christ. Notice in 1 John 2. 1 John 2. So what you have is a lot of people who are deceived. They're claiming to be saved, but their Jesus, by their own confession, their Jesus is not God. And remember how many of them of that number believe that Jesus had sinned? How are you going to have a Savior if he has sinned? How can you have a Savior that has sin of his own? How can he die for our sin? If he had his own sin, he can't. 
In 1 John 2.18, 1 John 2.18, Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many, what? Antichrist, whereby we know that it is the last time. Remember back in John 6.47 what Jesus said? John 6, 47, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that, what? Believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. But remember verse 41? The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Verse 42, And they said, Is not this Jesus the son of Joseph? whose father and mother we know. How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? They're saying, this can't be God. We know his parents. They, they rejected it. So what happens in John chapter 6 is you have modern churches that have come along and not technically all that modern, really. They go back quite a ways now, but the Catholic church and the Lutheran church base false doctrines upon this John chapter 6 because as Jesus carries on now, he's still trying to illustrate the spiritual truth. And remember verse 51, the spiritual truth he's saying is, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So just like, um, if you hold your place here, let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. When dealing with Satan's temptation against Jesus. Matthew 4, 4. Jesus is speaking. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by what? Bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So we're not talking about physical bread that's going to make us live forever. We're talking about the Word of God, and Jesus is the living Word of God. We can see that from John chapter 1. So, But what happened is the Catholic Church came along and taught a false doctrine called transubstantiation. And that doctrine holds that when the bread, and of course they call their service the mass, they have the wafer and the alcoholic wine. And they say that when the priest blesses the bread and the wine, that it literally becomes, it's transformed into the body and blood of Jesus. And they would base that upon this passage here, as we're going to read on in just a moment. They are misunderstanding what Jesus was saying, just as much as these men, these Jewish men, the ones, the 5,000 who had been fed, and the next day come across the sea to Jesus, just as much as they are, were deceived and unbelieving, even so the Catholic Church is totally misunderstanding what Jesus taught. So that's what the Catholic Church teaches. The Lutheran Church teaches consubstantiation. So while the Catholics teaches when the priest blesses it, it actually becomes the, transformed into the body and blood of Jesus. Um, the Lutherans would hold that it, it, when it's blessed, it, the body and blood of 
Christ coexist in and with the elements of the Eucharist. Um, so just a watered-down form of the same false doctrine. But Jesus made it clear, in, remember in verse 47, 647, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that, what? Believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. So it's belief. It's not partaking of the bread and the grape juice. That's not what saves. It's believing on the Lord Jesus Christ is what saves. Now, as we read on in this chapter, um, let's see here. Uh, Let's go to verse 52. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Doesn't that remind you of Nicodemus? How, how can a man be born when he is old? Jesus is talking about a spiritual birth, and he's thinking, How can I get back in my mom's womb? I'm too big. These people are just like that, the same error. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Well, if you look at verse 51, he just said he was going to give his flesh for the life of the world. How did he give his flesh for the life of the world? He allowed that his flesh to be put on a cross. And it's belief. He said over and over and over, it's belief. It's not eating literal bread. It's belief that brings us everlasting life. And he's going to give his flesh for the life of the world. He's going to die on the cross. But they say, how can he give us his flesh to eat? So at that, verse 53, then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in him. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he, shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is an hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that the, his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? Once again, telling them he's God. And they would not accept it. He said in verse 63, it is what? The spirit that what? Quickeneth. The flesh profiteth what? Nothing. The words, notice this. The words that I speak unto you, they are what? Spirit and they are life. He's telling them, if you go back to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. And verse 6. Well, let's read 5 and 6. John 3, 5 and 6. 
He's talking to Nicodemus. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. He's distinguishing between the flesh and the spirit. And then in John 6, 63, John 6, 63, it is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. They're, they're thinking he's telling us to eat his flesh, his literal flesh, and drink his literal blood. And he's saying, verse 63, it is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak in you, all that I've been telling you about giving my flesh and my blood, the words that I speak in you, they are spirit and they are life. But verse 64, once again, but there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. He goes on, verse 65, and he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and what? Walked no more with him. You see, this was different than the woman at the well. Remember what she sat down? Her water pot. Her water pot. She had found the living water, and it was Jesus. She left her water pot. She was going to come back. She was coming back. These men didn't. This woman, Jesus told her that he is the Messiah. She, well, let's go back so I can just show it to you. In John chapter 4, in John chapter 4 and verse 25, John four twenty-five. the woman saith in him, I know that Messiah is coming, which is called Christ, when he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, what? I that speak unto thee am he. What did, what did she think about that? Well, notice what she said in verse 29. She had gone back to the city. She said, come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this who? The Christ. Remember, Lord Jesus Christ. Lord means master. Jesus means savior. Christ means Messiah, uh, the anointed one, the king of kings. She said, is not this the Christ? But with these men, verse, and John 6, verse 66, from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. That was it. Why? Because they did not believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. They did not accept that Jesus had come down from heaven. They did not accept that Jesus is the Messiah. So they walked away and they did not come back. And it got so bad that verse 67, then said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye also go away? Now, If you back up to verse 64, it says, But there are some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. He knew from the beginning 
Who of those 5,000 plus did not believe? As well as in the group of the 12 who did not believe. And who was that? Judas. He knew that. So when he said, then said Jesus unto the 12, will you also go away? Well, he knew one of them did not believe. So now we're talking about 11. From 5,000 to 11. Are you going to go away too? Verse 68, then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast what? The words of eternal life. Peter got it. The word. What do you mean? The words. Of, what, are you, what are you talking about? Verse 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The what? The words that I speak into you. They are spirit and they are life. What did Peter say back in verse 68? Then Simon Peter answers and Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast what? The words of eternal life. Peter got it. Verse 69, and we what? Believe, that's the word. (laughs) And we believe. We believe and are sure that thou art who? That Christ. The who? The son of the living God. That is what is necessary for salvation. To believe upon the Son of God, that he is the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 70, Jesus answered him, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Now I know in, in first reading of this John chapter 6, you may say, well, it seems kind of confusing you know, he's talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Well, if it's not confusing if we think of John chapter 3. What did Jesus do with Nicodemus? He gave him the illustration of a birth to show him what needed to take place in his life. In John 3.13, he needed to deal with Nicodemus. He, he needed to know that Jesus is God. Um, with a woman at the well... It comes down to the point where he tells her, I am he, I am the Messiah. With these men here, um, they needed to repent. They came just wanting free meals. But if they were to truly be saved, they needed to accept Jesus as the Son of God. As the Son that was given from heaven. And they would not, so they walked no more with him. So, you know, you you look at this chapter and it starts out, you know, the 5,000 that were fed the previous day now come across, and there might have been many more, come across the sea to him. And then Jesus gets right down to the nitty-gritty. If you want to be saved, You must believe that I am the Son of God, the sinless Son of God. But they would not believe, and the whole crowd walked away, except, I mean, he's he's saying to the twelve, 
will you also go away? John 6, 67. In our day and age, would we hold to the word of God if it meant that the majority of the crowd would walk away? Or would we compromise? Would, would we not tell the truth so that a crowd would follow us? What would we do? Well, we just saw what Jesus did. He didn't say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's, it's kind of like people stand up for something in the Word of God. They're professing Christians online on social media, and, and suddenly the wrath of mankind is against them, and so then they backpedal, and they kind of wishy-washy you know, it over and, and don't really stand where they know they should um, just to keep the crowd well, we saw what Jesus did. It's truth. It's truth. Where will each of us be standing in 10 years? I mean, if the Lord tarries is coming. I'm talking about doctrinally. Where will we be standing? And say in 10 years, 20 years, whatever the Lord gives us. If somebody were to come and see us in 10 years and 20 years or whatever the Lord gives us, would we still be standing firm on the Word of God? Um, in closing, let's, let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. And verse 58. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye what? Steadfast. Then what? Unmovable. Always abounding in what? The work of the Lord. When it comes to uh, great messages today, and, and one being about the Lord seeking the lost sheep, um, it says abounding in the work of the Lord. But if if we are if we are using methods that are actually gaining a lot of tears instead of wheat, are we really doing the work of the Lord? It comes down to it, are we following the example of the Lord? What we've seen tonight? Abounding in the work of the Lord. If people come back in 10, 20 years, would we be abounding in the work of the Lord? And it goes on to say, for as much as you know that your labor is what? Not in vain in the Lord. I pray that the Lord would help us would help us to be able to illustrate the truth of salvation, um, would give us wisdom. You know, there's a song, um, Day by Day, we sing, and there's the song, uh, I Need Thee Every Hour, and then there's a song, Moment by Moment. And even though um, Day by the song day by day and with each passing moment, it actually hits both of them. But you know what? I need the Lord every moment, don't you? It's it's I I it's not enough for me to just pray at the beginning of the day and say, Lord, help me, you know, bless this day. Nor is it enough for me to, every hour to say, Lord, I need you this hour. I I need him every moment. Because I, I want to be like Jesus. I, I want to illustrate what salvation truly is. And 
to see people's lives transformed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of Jesus left for us to follow. And Father, please forgive us when we don't follow it because, because when we do, we sometimes find the same results as Jesus in John chapter 6. We, we find people walking away. And Father, help us to speak the truth in love, but to speak the truth always. Lord, please give me wisdom how to illustrate the truth. We've seen you've done it by physical birth, by water, by bread, and by other ways throughout Scripture. You illustrate, Lord, please give me wisdom how to illustrate what the spiritual birth, the new birth, really is and what it means in a person's life. Lord, please take and use us. We long to see a great revival. We long to see a great awakening. Father, I pray that by doing it your way, we could see what the woman at the well saw, a great turning to you of souls. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.